Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 521. New year, same takes. Chillians, and welcome back to the first 2023 edition of the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, a uh, happy Christmas and a Merry New Year. <laughs> I mean, we already had the Christmas episode, so you can't try and trigger me there with the uh, with a happy Christmas. But yes, happy New Year. New New Year, new me. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully it's a... Oh, <laughs> 2023 packed. You look. You look the same. Development. Today. Well, it's only been, you know, 48 hours. I don't know how much I was supposed to achieve in that time frame. Yeah, and um, I mentioned you off podcast. I have a few uh, since it's the new year, and I, I want to start fresh and give you the opportunity to to come clean and be a new you. I have some of your takes that uh, we can revisit, and you can. I will allow you the opportunity to take back your take without any repercussion that might ensue after. I know that's a slightly false promise because either from you or the listeners, there will always be a backlash if I change my mind. But I'm honored that you give me such a wonderful opportunity to revisit my my opinions. Yeah. So where where would you like to start? I mean, I guess, unfortunately, I guess the main talking point right now, the NFL is what happened last night in the, which would, now we're recording on Tuesday, so the Monday night game with DeMar Hamlin uh, going into sudden cardiac arrest on the field. Um, I watched it live, uh, and we were just kind of discussing it. As soon as it happened, I instantly thought of Christian Erickson. I mean, just the way he fell and the way of how he was, like, fine and then all of a sudden wasn't fine, it, it like, it just instantly triggered it uh, that it was the same thing and it wasn't a concussion or he, that he had gone unconscious that – you know, like I, as soon as it happened, I kind of texted my parents and said, like, I, I think he literally just went into cardiac arrest. I think like he's, you know, dead on the field, which is what same thing happened to Erickson, where his you know heart literally stops and they had to bring him back with the I don't know if they use the defib here. I, I, it hasn't come out yet. They said they did CPR for about 15 minutes, but I would assume you have to use the defib to get it back for most times. It's easiest. So we'll see. Yeah. But I mean, either way, uh, it seems like he right now he's in critical condition. Uh, The other thing, too, I feel like that's kind of strange here is they're not releasing as much information as when Erickson. I mean, with Erickson, they were kind of almost giving like live updates. I even remember like during the match, they were kind of saying, so now this has happened, you know, like this has progressed. But it's it's a lot quieter here, which is not I don't think a good sign. Um, And maybe that's why. Uh, But he's still in critical condition. And I. Last night, they said that they had uh, put him under to put a breathing tube in um, and that his vitals were back to normal, I think is is the latest. Update. In terms of the updates, I think it's a, di- a very different scenario, right? Like that was in the context of an international tournament. And I think not providing updates to people while the tournament had to continue would have put people in an uncomfortable position. And so there was almost an obligation to a certain extent on the part of the Danish FA and, and UEFA as a whole almost to let people know what was, what's going on. I guess the NFL in a cert, to a certain degree benefits from the fact that there's this pause now where there's not necessarily a need to update people on an hour by hour or day by day basis. 
obviously the thing hanging over all of this is the fact that this game has to be rescheduled. So it was obviously postponed yesterday as a result of this. Insider talk seems to be indicating that it needs to be played. It has to be rescheduled within the next 48 hours is sort of the, what the NFL is saying. Now that could mean that it gets played either Thursday or Saturday seems to be the likely outcome. And then that obviously has implications for both the Bills and the Bengals final games of the season. And then also some implications for the potential, the first round of the playoffs, maybe a little bit less complicated for the Bills because they'd have, they should, I guess, have the buy if they win both of these games. And so that a little bit less pressure on them from the Bengals perspective, this is an uncomfortable position to be in because obviously the most important thing is the player's well-being. That's, you know, far more important than what happens in an NFL game. But at the same time, this has major implications for both of the teams involved in terms of their seeding, in terms of the, you know, what the, the rest of their season looks like. Yeah. And I mean, I, this kind of brings to the other point that I, I want to bring up is what happened in real time to me was a little bit mind boggling. And like, I get the NFL is important and there's lots of money there, but at the end of the day, like there was a player dead on the field who at least now I, I think we has should stop. Just, I, I know, I know what you mean by dead on the field. And I know technically he's dead or we believe technically he was dead. I don't know if I like necessarily referring to someone being dead on the field because he's, I, I, I know what you're saying. He, like, okay. So if, if the trainers weren't there, he doesn't, I know. Them. I just think it's a, there are a lot of instances that if, if the right thing doesn't happen at the right time, he does. All right, let's put it this way. He was in a life threatening cardiac injury. arrest. Is that fair I think enough? Just say cardiac arrest. I think that's fine. But I, I just, okay. I find it a little okay. bit like provocative in a sense to be like, there's a player dead on the field. You know, if, if you see what I mean, regardless of that, I, I guess, when that happened, the fact that they were still thinking about doing like a 10 minute break and then coming back to play to me is just crazy. I, I, I mean, I couldn't imagine in, in my work scenario where one, I don't interact very much with people and two, I don't particularly like many of the people I work with, not that I dislike them, but you know what I mean? Like I don't have relationships with them. And if that had happened, I'd be pretty messed up if like, if I saw one of my colleagues just drop to the floor and then get resuscitated and have to be, you know, rushed to a hospital. But the fact is like with sports, they're a lot closer than just colleagues. I mean, these are people that spend 12 hours a day with each other. You know, they are very close. And for that to happen and then for them to say like, hey, listen, let's let's just go back out there and, and play a sport where like we need to be angry and at the same time, like focused and, and hit people at max speeds. Like th there is no way that was going to happen. And the fact that the NFL kept delaying it instead of just saying like, oh man, I'm watching live footage here. Josh Allen is crying on the bench. Like this ain't going to happen. Let's end this. Like they pulled it out for over an hour before they made a decision. That to me was crazy. Yeah. Yes. And no. Cause I think the difficult thing is you, when you, when you're not sure entirely what the severity of the situation is, you know, I, I think we've had a number of examples, I guess, Christian Erickson being the, well, not being the most extreme because there have been players who've actually died. But, you know, if you want to take the Christian Erickson example, but then there's been, you know, Sergio Aguero had heart palpitations and kind of dropped to the ground during a Barcelona match. The match continued. He went to hospital. His career was over. 
but in the end it was not severe enough in that moment to postpone it. You had JJ Watt, right, who this season had heart palpitations over the course of a, a like a practice and and you know was in a really sort of seemingly uh, serious situation. I think in I, I never want to be too critical of people in the moment of like forcing them to make a decision one way or the other because I can understand you obviously want to err on the side of caution. You don't want them to re- instantly restart the game saying, hey, we, we presume he's going to be okay now. But I think making the snap decision of this game has to be postponed right there and then, and then maybe it transpires. Look, it wasn't as, as serious as we first thought. But, but I mean, I think that's where it's wrong. I mean, he, he was getting CPR for 15 minutes on the field. So as a player, you watch, you watch a fellow teammate but you're, get chest compressions for 15 minutes. But you're minutes. assuming that the lines of communication there are incredibly precise. And anything in my life would tell me that the sharing of information and the reliability of that information from and who is the source of that information, players, you know what I mean? I mean, they're watching no, it. They were surrounding him. Some people were surrounding him, not the people who would have been making the decision as to whether or not a game is postponed. And then also it's the people who are there dealing with it in the moment. You're not going to ask one of the doctors there, give me an update. I need to know how severe is this so we can determine whether or not this game goes. You would hope that in the moment they go, let's treat him, give him the best treatment possible. And then when when he's in a, a more stable position, kind of one way or the other, out of the stadium, in a hospital, on his way to hospital, whatever it is, then we can make the decision because we can get reliable information as to exactly what's going on. But otherwise, what are you going to be asking a paramedic there? Like, hey, I know you're giving him chest compressions, but can you, on a scale of one to 10, can you tell me exactly how serious this is? Because I'm not a doctor and I need to relay, relay this back to New York so they can make decisions about this. So, so maybe not watching it live didn't get the same impact. But so when, they, when he leaves in the ambulance, it's over an hour before they make that decision. But it was the same with, to it was the the same with Christian Eriksen. We, you know, Christian Eriksen looks for all the world to be in, you know, the worst possible situation. They didn't like instantly make a decision as to what was going on with that game. But I think in an hour, the commissioner knows what has happened and, in that and, situation. And he's obviously watching live and is seeing the players. But like I, I just what, I, I just don't what, get why why what, what like why not like it's a, it's a very serious situation and you're then forcing people to to want to play and do something that they clearly have no desire to do. Well, there you're making decisions like, for them, right? We don't you're 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 determining that based on what you thought their outward emotional state was. So you don't know that necessarily. That's yeah. you making a judgment for them. But you're probably right. Because I don't think most people would have, if they had had a teammate uh, suddenly in a critical condition, would have wanted to continue playing football. Would have felt like their mind was in the right place. But then you take it back to the Christian Eriksen situation. There were players who said they wanted to play. So you know we have firsthand accounts of players in the Denmark match saying, "No, I wanted to play." Like that was the thing that I felt was going to help me get over it, or whatever it is. You know, like so. So maybe then, maybe going off of that, then maybe there, and maybe I don't know, but perhaps there should have been more player input. You know what? I I guess I'm a little, and again, I don't know, but I'm assuming that the commissioner makes the call here and it would be interesting to know whether they had player input, because I think that's a pretty easy answer is you pull the players and say, 
do you guys want to go back out there or, or not? You know, because again, the commissioner runs the league. Yes, okay, he makes the decisions, but he's not the one playing in those games. And if you have no desire to play, you're putting yourself at risk. You're putting your mind at risk. Like it should have been, I think, ultimately up to them from the beginning. And what it looked like, again, I don't know, but what it looked like is a majority of those players, once that happened, were done. For okay, that. but I, I don't like the speculation and I don't like the speculation to be critical of other people in a complicated situation. They, For all we know, because we don't know either way, they asked the players and they did some, and that's not going to take 30 seconds to have, to gather 53 players together. You know, what are you doing? Are you doing a majority? Are you doing... Uh, X percentage, you know, like just think about the logistics that go into how do we determine what the tipping point is on whether or not these players are saying no. If Josh Allen says he doesn't want to play, but every other Bills player says he wants to, what do we do? Is that fair to the Bills? If all the Bengals say they want to play, but 10 Bills players don't want to play, how do we do that? So if you think about it, when you have all of these moving parts to make a decision in 10, 20, 30 minutes, it's pretty complicated. An hour and a half? I think that sounds about right to me, to be perfectly honest. Like, I, don't I think, think so. that sounds... I, I think watching that in real time, I think it, the commissioner watching that in real time should have just made the decision right away. I mean, maybe. So with, with that, I mean, I guess that leaves the playoff situation slightly unresolved, but not too much because I guess both of those teams have already clinched a playoff spot and at this point would just be... Uh, battling for seeding, um, whereas there are other teams now going into Week 18 after a, I think, pretty uh, shocking, not shocking maybe, but uh, didn't play to script Week 17. There was a few upsets that kind of have left the door open for other teams, most notably the Packers uh, winning. Although they were uh, favorites. The Patriots they winning. They were both fa- I mean, you're saying upsets. Both of those teams went into those games as favorites. We both disagreed. Yeah. Both under 500. Yeah, but we both disagreed <laughs> as to whether or not those teams should be favorites. As it turned out, they were right to be favorites because they both won fairly. Uh, uh, no, but I mean, look, what do you want to you want to say? The pack, we're wrong, people were wrong to make the Packers favorites. They won that game in a complete canter. Like the Patriot, uh, the Packers. Okay, the Patriots ended up playing a third string quarterback um, and still almost lost. Yeah, that but game. They, in the end, they won. If I'm an AFC team, I'm hoping the Patriots make the playoffs because I think they are trash. I mean, they're not particularly good, but then I don't know necessarily. I mean, I don't think the teams at the bottom of the AFC standings are particularly good either, if you see what I mean. Like, if you tell me, would I rather play New England or Pittsburgh? I'd probably rather play New England, Pittsburgh, I think. Well, it would be, it would be the Patriots win and they're in. If the Patriots lose and the Dolphins win, they're in. If the Patriots and the Dolphins lose, then the, and the Steelers win, then the Steelers yeah, are in. I know. I would, I would not want to play that. I'm just telling for the listeners. If not, I'm not. I, I know you know. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, if out of those three, I would least like to play the Dolphins, even though I my opinion of the Dolphins has dropped significantly in the past few weeks. I still think, from a weapon standpoint, they could turn up one day and Tyree kill. And Waddle could torch you for four TDs, you know, and that could be tough. Maybe. I maybe then I guess the Patriots. Or no, I would I guess I would Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't trust the Steelers either. I I, I think like, it's all Kenny Pickett. 
I think it's hard to make a compelling argument for a team that's lost five games in a row as the team you should be most scared of. I think that's tough. Like there's significance to losing five games in a row. Like that's, oh, how scary is Tyreek Hill? I think we've kind of learned Tyreek Hill and Waddle can have 300 yards between them and the Dolphins can still lose. We've seen that in recent weeks. I... I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be particularly worried. I mean, if you're at the top of the, you know, if you're talking, because we're obviously talking about team, two yeah, seed. Or, you know, I guess the round after, hypothetically, if, you know, I think if you're towards the top of the AFC standings, I don't think you're particularly concerned about anyone, the six, seven, eight, nine seeds as they currently, you know, like I don't think the Ravens worry anyone. I don't think the Patriots would worry anyone. I don't think the Dolphins or the Steelers would worry anyone. Yeah. And the Ravens, I mean, who, at this point, who knows if Lamar Jackson's coming back? Um, and that completely changes that team. And I, I think personally with the Dolphins, I, you're seeing it without Tua, that team. We thought Bridgewater would be an easy replacement in, but he did not look very good uh, trying to replace Tua. No. Yeah, the, the Lamar Jackson situation is so confusing to me. I, I don't know whether this... I'll be interested to see in years to come whether or not his kind of contract standoff and the way he's handled uh, the contract situation will turn out to be right. Because from I don't know who's rushing to sign Lamar Jackson as a kind of max contract free agent right now. Like that would be, I would be staying well away from him, both because I think there's certain limitations in terms of having to really reshape the way your team plays entirely around him, but also now it's that kind of weird scenario of like, how committed are you to the long-term future of this, like of this team? If you're willing to just maybe sit time out because you're more focused on yourself or you feel as if the team has somehow disrespected you in terms of the contract negotiations that you've seen, it's not a great look for him. Yeah. And yeah. And I don't even, at this point they say he's, practicing but not practicing like even the reports coming out just don't make sense at no. this like i have no idea what to expect i have no idea if he's ever going to be on the field as a raven again this year or not like it's it's, it's yeah no because it's weird yeah, too because then like on monday tuesday they'll be like lamar jackson likely to play and then friday not playing. Yeah. it's like well, okay so he must yeah. be playing next week then right because you can't have been like you can't have been leaving this decision up until two days before the game and he's that clearly unfit to play. And it's like, oh, didn't play next week either. So, yeah, it's it's such a – it's impossible to tell what's going on there. And then in the NFC, you – oh, actually, we should mention in the AFC too, we still have the Jags versus the Titans. Uh, winner wins the AFC South, which uh, we talked about off air is like the most optimal situation for the NFL that they could have scheduled this in week 18 to have these two teams play and, and literally the winner is in the playoffs and the loser – unless it's the Jaguars and everyone else loses is pretty much out. Yeah. They're going to be happy about that because um, a lot of the other playoff scenarios, it's hard to pick like which game you watch because it's dependent on like, well, if this team wins or this team loses to have a, like a very yeah. winner takes all game, they have to be pleased about. And they have flexed it to Saturday. So it's going to be primetime viewing. It's going to be the only game going. So uh, smart move by the NFL. I mean, I say, I say smart. I guess it's a pretty easy decision <laughs> when you have to pick like one of two games to put on a Saturday. You pick the one that's a win and you're in and nothing else matters. <laughs> yeah. And also it kind of goes back to the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago. 
it's going to make a lot of people play really close attention to a Titans Jags game that even with the playoff kind of place at stakes, I think a lot of people would just ignore it on a Sunday. I certainly would, even with everything that's up. What about on a Saturday? No, on a Saturday, that's the point. I, I would I'll watch the full thing. But on a Sunday, if there were you know other games going on at the same time, it probably gets lost in the in the shuffle a little bit. And then the NFC, the uh, last wild card is still open, and that is um, Packers win and they're in against the Lions. And then the I think after that it would be the Seahawks if the Packers lost and the Seahawks won, they would be in. And if the Lions beat the Packers and the Seahawks lose, then the Lions. That would is be correct. In. So they would be the third. I don't entirely up. understand it. <laughs> I have to admit, I don't understand how the, Seah- the Seahawks are currently ahead of the Packers, but and they're both playing a team from within their own division as their final. Like I don't, if you see, I don't totally get how the Packers suddenly get an extra tiebreaker from winning. Like if the if the Seahawks beat the Rams, which is also a divisional slash conference game, I don't get it. Like that, I still I've looked at it a million times. I don't totally understand what the difference is. Well, maybe we can get the commissioner on real quick to. I watched them, you know, because I haven't looked at the tiebreaker things, so I'm just going off. I was watching. I was watching in yeah no, but I was watching it, and you know they do that. I which I find really dull. I think they try and turn it into like as if it's a presidential rate race with all the. The, oh God! Not yeah, that who idiot. just comes on to talk about the, they had yeah, him the on. percentage. He is so annoying. What's I don't his even name? remember. Oh yeah, the percentage chances. No, oh, oh, oh God! It's it's a goofy name he's got too. But <laughs> he was explaining it. He was like, "Oh, you, right now you currently see the Seahawks in seventh, but their their percentage chance of making the playoffs is actually lower than the Packers. So like the Packers are sixty something percent, and Seattle's like eighteen percent or something like that. And he was like, and it is because." Uh, if Green Bay beat the Lions with that extra conference win, they then go ahead of Seattle on the tiebreaker. And I was like, but Seattle also is playing a team within their own conference. So like, how does this, how does this work? But I don't yeah. know. How do they? Steve Kornacki. You know, is that yeah. who it was? Like, how do they not already have the tiebreaker <laughs> if they're going to somehow gain the tiebreaker? I don't know. I'm sure we got listeners very frustrating who understand it. I don't. And then I guess the other notable games that happened were the Giants uh, pretty much thromped the Indianapolis Colts on their way to uh, clinching playoffs for the first time since 2016. Uh, so a nice long drought ended there. And a good Daniel Jones performance. He's uh, writing his own check, riding into the playoffs. Uh, and then I guess the other notable games, uh, the Chiefs holding on against Denver to potentially still get the first seed, uh, the Eagles losing to the Saints to potentially lose their first seed, which was a, a pretty big upset. Um, and then the Bucks beating the Panthers to once again be in the playoffs. Tom Brady has, has not been in the playoffs in a very, very long time, and that streak continues. I mean, has not missed out on the playoffs. Has not not okay. been in the playoffs. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we expected the Bucks to get the job done, and in the end, they did. Uh, the Eagles. I mean, you, you. We mentioned the 
the Vikings loss from the Packers perspective, but a meaningful loss for the Vikings as well, because they've now lost the two seed, which is obviously significant in terms of home playoff games uh, that they could have. And then, yeah, the Niners now have a chance of catching the Eagles to, to get the one seed, which and I guess the Vikings technically do as well, although I don't know how that tiebreaker works, but the Niners. No, the Vikings cannot get the one seed anymore. So the Niners definitely can. That would have seemed improbable six or seven weeks ago. Like, I mean, that's. Yeah. uh, And I I don't know how this then impacts the Jalen Hurts MVP candidacy because it's, we spoke about it, you know, we can talk about that later. Maybe that's one of your takes. <laughs> no, I, I, well, okay, that will be a quick one then. But, <laughs> but yes, the Eagles still control their destiny uh, with getting the one seat. But if they do slip up and the Niners win, they the Niners jump I mean, into I guess the one seat. The Giants have nothing to play for, right? They have absolutely nothing to play for. But Brian Dabble was the idiot in the preseason who played his starters a lot longer than he should have because he, for some reason, thinks that's what matters. And I can foresee a scenario where he puts his starters in and one of them gets hurt, which would be the absolute worst-case scenario. But I hope he doesn't. There is absolutely nothing. They are locked in to the sixth seed, I think it is, the sixth seed, no matter what. It doesn't matter. I don't know why you would risk getting them injured just so they're slightly fresh and on the same page. It, I, I mean, know. I guess the argument would be <laughs> if you want to, if I wanted to play devil's advocate, I agree with you. They should absolutely rest everyone. I guess the devil's advocate argument would be particularly if Jalen hurts plays in this game, which is unclear, but if Jalen hurts came back and if you then beat the Eagles in the going into the final week of the season, you'd then tell yourselves that's, really good momentum you've kind of passed the first litmus test of like are we contenders almost and so i guess that would be the only argument is let's go beat the eagles and then we get to go into the playoffs not feeling like a team that kind of limped in with you know a nine seven and one record and we weren't really that good over the full length of the season now we get to be the hot team that just knocked the number one seed off their pedestal like I guess that would be the argument. I don't think you need to do it. That sounds like a Brian Dabble well, argument. That I he might have said that at the press conference. Is, do you have the transcript? Is that what? Are you yeah, reading the transcript of his press conference for this morning? <laughs> no yeah, revisions. Yeah. Just accepted <laughs> on site. But yeah, no, it's uh, that would be the only argument, I guess. But I don't think you need to do that. You know, no, and. And especially with a team that has been pretty hampered by injuries all season. Like, is that what you want to do? I, at this point, and I'm not, this is not an overstatement. They have two receivers that were literally like working day jobs halfway through this season that are now starting receivers. That's how decimated the roster is. And you want to risk it even more? Which, no. It's, it's the tough thing working. in the NFC in general, right? When you look through it, though, because that's like the Niners. I think they would love to rest people, but they kind of can't. They can maybe rest people going into the second half, but they, you know, you don't want to rest people and then the Eagles lose and you blew your chance at a bye. You also don't want to rest people, then the Vikings, you lose, the Vikings win, and then they leapfrog you and you drop down into third. So there's, 
and then same goes for the Vikings. Then they can't rest people. Maybe at halftime they can see the Niners up by 21 and decide, okay, bench everyone. You know, it puts a lot of these teams because there's still kind of something worthwhile to go for. They uh, they're not in then in a position to. So the just looking at it, the Cowboys cannot leapfrog the Eagles, right? They they can. Yes, the Cowboys can clinch the number one seed if they beat Washington. The Eagles lose and the Niners lose. They go to first. So there's another team that probably would love to just be resting yeah. players, but kind of can't. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be an exciting witching hour on the red zone with oh just, boy. Uh, trying to get us all worked up about teams leapfrogging each other over the course of the final final quarter. Yeah, I wonder how many times the word like leapfrog oh, will lot. be used. Because <laughs> it's hard to think of another word. You know, there's not a lot of uh, viable synonyms there. So, Or clinching. Yes. The word clinching, clinching will be used yeah. a ton. Or, Can they clinch the number one lock seed? In. Like those are all... Lock know, in that those number Those are terms you're going to hear a lot there. on Sunday. That is a Scott Hansen yeah. term. Locked in. <laughs> we are set for five hours of commercial-free football. <laughs> Anything else from the week of NFL? I don't think so. I think we've pretty much covered it. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, I, I guess I'll just as a Niners Nation update, I'll say not the most impressive performance from the Niners. I was uh, watching it on my phone. Not, I wasn't uh, blown away by the defensive performance, although they came up with key turnovers at key moments. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't the most spectacular performance of the season. Yeah. I, I would be worried about the defense if that were more than one game. But I, I think in the NFL we've seen this year, blips just happen, right? And and sometimes I games don't go to plan. But overall, the last four or five weeks, their defense has been very strong against against good offenses. So you can't just say now, uh-oh, should we be worried about the Niners' D because they had one bad performance? No, like I, I'm still confident in that defense. Yeah, and I still think even from that game, you saw two key things. One is the ability to get turnovers, which is obviously so important. The other, they also got some red zone stops. And I think teams go into games against them knowing like having first and goal from the five is not just a gimme seven points. Like you're going to have to work for those yards, which isn't the case against every team. And I think that's a good situation to be in where you, you have the kind of intimidation factor of like, okay, you, you, you've only got eight yards to go. We're going to make you work pretty hard for those eight yards though. And you might find yourself like fourth and goal from the four having to make a difficult decision. Now, speaking of uh, watching the Niners game on my phone, do we want to interrupt the sports talk for a slightly non-sporty conversation from that day? Or should I save that for the end of the podcast? We can do it now, but can you not call on a sporty conversation? <laughs> we aren't the Spice Girls. <laughs> we, we, Is this a poshy conversation? Uh, we were the Spice Girls. But... So on uh, New Year's Day, I was lucky enough to be invited to a friend of the podcast, Vasilis's, one of his family's restaurants. Uh, has a, I would say more than a friend of the podcast. He is he is uh, a crowd yes. favorite of the yeah, podcast. We're about to please a lot of listeners. It's been a while since we've had a Vasilis story, so it's good to kick off the new year with a new story. Not necessarily similar to some of the stories in the past, but 
you know, it was very nice of him to invite us. The food was amazing. Like the, everything was free. You know, you just turned up. No free yeah. plugs. The Michelin star food that you're getting presented with. It's just, you could have as much as you wanted. There was a ton of food. Like it was excellent, really nice experience. I, I now I just want to, before you start your story, I have one yeah. question. So does this mean that everyone who is like involved in the restaurant gets together and is having this nice New Year's Day dinner, except the cooks who are forced to get back there and cook endless amounts of food for no, everyone? No, so like the owner, you know, the owners, the only people there who work there are like the owners and basically Vasilis and a couple other of his family members. Everyone else, staff members, they're just not there. And so okay. you're, you're mostly serving yourself. So it's kind of an interesting experience because there is a chef there and I think another one, like we were, they'd been preparing the food for a whole day, but like while you were there, there was still one there kind of doing some finishing stuff. You would just go into their kitchen and then he would just put a plate together for you, which is kind of a unique experience, obviously in a Michelin. St- That's a Michelin awesome. Do you get to ring the bell? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like that was kind of nice. You tell him what he wants, he plates it for you. And then you could just go back in as often as you wanted to basically. And uh, it was, it was really, really good. When Vasilis told me, uh, I said, like, well, what what should I bring? Obviously, you don't really need me to bring food or wine. Uh, he was like, oh, you don't need to bring anything. I was like, well, what if I bring flowers to give to, like, your aunt or something to say thank you for inviting us? He was like, oh, they'd really like that. That would be nice. So we turn up, and Vasilis was busy doing something at the moment that we arrived. So then it was a little bit of a... Have you met his, his aunt and uncle who yes. own the restaurant? Do you yeah. know who they are? Like, could you recognize yes. them? Yeah, yeah. They don't know okay. our names or anything, but like they kind of at least they're like, oh, Vasilis' yes. friends. Like there was yeah, that acknowledgement. And said in a nice way or in a really shitty way? Oh, Vasilis. <laughs> no, in a nice way. <laughs> and uh, and so I was, you know, holding these flowers, but I wasn't sure who to give them to because there's there's two aunts and two uncles kind of involved in running the business. So I was like, I don't want to. But one set of flowers. flowers. Yeah. <laughs> So, this sounds like a so, you problem. <laughs> I didn't know who was going to be there, and I didn't know what the dynamic of the evening was going to be like before I arrived, because it was actually very different to what I had sort of imagined in my head, which I had just kind of imagined more of like a slightly more relaxed party. Like you were actually sitting at the tables that kind of assigned you a table. So we were at the young person's table, which kind of amused me. It was sort of like being at like a family event where you're off by like let the adults have their own thing and the kids go off by themselves. Uh, and so I had these flowers and eventually Vasilis reappeared and I was like, Vas, I don't know who to give these to. Like, here are these flowers. He's like, oh, those are really nice flowers. I was like, oh, thank you. I was like, who, who should I give them to? And Vas was like, oh, they're really nice. He's like, I'll just take them and I'll put them in my house. I was, <laughs> I was like, hey, man, I, I, you could do that, I guess, Vas. <laughs> this isn't really what I had imagined when I went and bought these flowers today, but I guess if that's if that's what you want to do. He just took the and then he just took them. <laughs> that was that's so that amazing. was the end of the flowers. They were just vast. A man, a man who I cannot imagine has ever had flowers in his house, uh, decided this this is when he was going to start. You know what? That's it. Let's talk about turning a new leaf, new you. Vasilis is now the guy who has flowers yeah. in his apartment. Yeah. I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, and he was kind of hosting the evening in the end because he, as as the guy who's this kind of assistant manager of that restaurant and, and does a lot of the work, he was going and setting things up and telling people when they should go to the kitchen and things. So he was he was working in a way that almost no one else was. So I guess in some respects it made sense for him to get the flowers because he was, they were referring to him as the host, um, but it was still, host yeah, it was still like, this isn't... Uh, what I thought was going to happen when I went and bought these flowers. Cause in my head, I was like, if I was buying a present for Vasilis, I wouldn't have gotten him flowers. Like if I'd known that this was the, that's amazing. Yeah. I've known Vasilis for about 10 years and never once has he mentioned anything about a flower. No. And they're probably just in the garbage now. You know, they probably just got <laughs> tossed at the end of the evening. And he's probably like, and Eddie got me a fucking flowers. <laughs> okay. Flowers. What are... Does he even know me? <laughs> he did seem to like them though. And he did like clutch them for a little bit as he walked around. So who knows? Maybe this is now are they in his apartment or are they in some girl's apartment? Because that's the move. To he likes them. them and then he turns around the next day and he gives them to some and they, girl. It was a real I will say it was a very nice bouquet of flowers. So it would be a good move. If you could re-gift them, it's a good move. But yeah, it's uh I Did you buy these on the last street in Paris? Because no. uh, this was the other challenge finding a florist not open open on january 1st it's not i mean finding anything open on january 1st in france is not easy it's tough so even in america yeah it's not so easy. getting a florist <laughs> who was open to buy flowers on that day that was not a not an easy task well i don't have a vasilla story but i do have a uh rival podcast story i attended the Barstool Arizona Bowl on uh, the 30th of December uh, here in Tucson, which the whole concept is kind of strange from what's happened. Basically, Tucson has the Arizona Bowl and it's not a very good bowl. It's like the Mountain West and I don't remember the other conference, maybe Conference USA or something like that. Like two mid-level conferences get together and play and it's been very low attended for a really long time and you know tickets are not hard to come by not a big bowl by any standards and then one day like i think it was last year or the year before barstool decided to kind of like buy the rights to it and there was a big backlash in tucson because people didn't want barstool to be associated with it because barstool kind of has like a negative you know frat boy party connotation with it so there was like a lot of pushback but i guess at the end they got the ball. Um, and this was the first year they really, really ran the ball. And I didn't watch it from the Barstool side, but everything I have heard was that Barstool put on a pretty good show. So it was live streamed, I guess, on the Barstool website or something like that. And they had all the Barstool, a lot of the Barstool like personalities were there. Um, like Portnoy was there and a bunch of the other big ones were there, like Big Cat and all that. Um, Big Cat sang the national anthem, which people thought was amazing, um, which was not very great. Uh, they had like a flyover. They had the paratroopers land. Like they they did a bunch of crazy stuff for a bowl game that maybe had 5,000 people at it. You know, like, like it was pretty extravagant with some of the stuff they did. But then they had like the gimmick stuff where they had some of the Barstool personalities like in like cutoff shirts with their bellies out running to get the kickoff tee and things like that, you know, like things you would expect Barstool to do. Uh, they had the Hooters girls there, which not knocking on 
anyone who works at Hooters, but this would be the place where you would have like the Hooters girls on the sidelines, you know, like this would be the bars. Like you're not seeing that at the national championship or like the, the college playoffs. Um, uh, but it was, it was that kind of stuff. It was, it was okay. Like I enjoyed it, but what was nice is we got a suite. So I was invited to go to a suite and I didn't know what to expect. Cause again, it's a small bowl. Uh, but it was pretty good. They had uh, like a whole fridge stocked with different beers and seltzers and then another bucket with ice filled with beer and seltzers. And then you got to choose as many hard alcohols as you wanted in your suite. Um, so he just had chosen uh, vodka and Crown Royal, which I thought was a surprising choice. Uh, he wasn't sure of the second choice. So I was going to ask you if you had to choose. And you remember, you have to kind of like, it's not just you, right? There was 14 people in the suite. So like vodka, I think is an yeah, obvious you, choice. Yeah, That's you have like, to go vodka because most people. But the second one is tough. I would have went rum. I would have went like Captain yeah, I would have gone rum too. I mean, I'm a rum person. So that would have been my vote. And I would have still said most people. I think if you offer vodka and rum, everyone's going to have some, either they could drink like a rum and Coke or a vodka soda or whatever it is. That's yeah. Well, he said Crown Royal and Coke. That's why he picked Crown the, Royal. The riskier move, but also might have been a good move, is gin, and then you get people with like gin and tonics and Oof. stuff. But you never know. Like you got to know your crowd there. But if you've got yeah. But I think also, and then considering the possibility of shots, I'm also definitely putting rum in there for myself. Well, there were no shots taken, unfortunately, Eddie. <laughs> I don't know if that's allowed in the suites. Actually, you I take that back. I think there were like two swigs you of Crown Royal. Beers in this. <laughs> Me and one other you person. shotgun beers in this. Don't try and make it so, oh, this is way too classy <laughs> to do a shot. So what happened, though, is the end of the night, we got to like the fourth quarter, and there was still like a whole fridge full of beer. And I asked him, I said, like, what happens to this beer? He goes, oh, I already paid for the beer. Like, if we wanted to get more, then I pay for more. But what's already in here is paid for. And I was like, oh, shit, dude, like, we're going to waste a ton of beer. He's like, oh, we better start drinking. And I was like, well, we can shotgun. And he loved the idea of the shotgun. <laughs> so we instantly got, like, almost everyone in there to shotgun. And they were 16-ounce beers, so they were pint like the big ones, the tall ones, not not like normal cans that you would shotgun. So that was interesting. The second shotgun was a little more interesting because we decided to do it about 10 minutes after the first one. And uh, people were not as enthused for the second round as they were for the first. But uh, yeah, it was it was we were the last suite there and we were shotgunning beers as the last one. I have there. never shotgunned <laughs> a beer in my life. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Well, that's actually not crazy. Like you're not, you didn't live in America at those formidable no, years. No, it's just not a. I've chugged plenty of beers. I've found lots of other innovative ways to try and get beer into me as fast as possible. But shotgunning is has not been one of the methods of choice. But I did watch that game on TV, although it didn't have any of the, obviously from the kind of foreign feed, it didn't have any of the uh, bar stool associated like coverage elements. But at least you got yeah. lucky. You got a kind of ex got exciting game. finish even if the yeah. game itself maybe wasn't the most thrilling over the course of the four quarters yeah i mean i couldn't name one player on the field for either of those teams but yeah it was a uh 
field goals time expired and then a, and then an overtime win. So it was, yeah, it was fun to watch. It was cool. Um, and then a few of the people in the suite had like somehow gotten all access passes. I don't know. I think they like another suite gave them to them cause they were leaving and they went up and got to meet like Portnoy and all of them. Uh, cause they were just on the level above us. And then they got to go down the field and meet like the commentators, the Barstool commentators on the field. So it was pretty cool. Uh, they were sending us like videos and pictures and like FaceTiming with us as they were like on the field talking to the other people. Well, maybe one day there will be a, a big chill bowl. So we have that to, that to look forward to. No, you can't make it sound good. It's the big chill podcast. No, it, bowl. no, it would be the big <laughs> chill bowl and we would have our own. No, because then we'll get sued by the big chill. <laughs> At the point we have a bowl game to ourselves, they can try and sue us. At that point, we're way bigger than either the movie from the 80s or the bar, the like franchise bars in London. Bill Simmons loves the big chill. He yeah, might sue us. It on, Bill. <laughs> but yeah, we would be, and look, we how great would it be to have a big frozen bowl as the trophy? Big frozen bowl. No, no, because it, it's got to be like the trophy itself would be a frozen bowl, the big chill bowl. So it would be a chilled bowl. Do you see what I'm? What's in the bowl? <laughs> I mean, that's up to you. People can drink out of it. It could be Gatorade. Okay. I'm slightly on board with that idea. I like I like the gimmicky pun aspect of, of the trophy. Now, before we get on to reviewing my takes of 2022 or whatever it is you'd like me to do, I guess worth just... This probably can. This probably will segue into some of the reviewing of those takes, but I guess worth mentioning in the Premier League, uh, a weekend where a couple of teams slipped up. We obviously at the last episode spoke about the Premier League being back and every t- all of the big teams kind of picking up the results that they would have wanted in the first set of games. This time around, City uh, drew with Everton, a result that was pretty surprising. Arsenal had another impressive victory against Brighton. They won 4-2. And then uh, Chelsea also slipped up, which could have significance. Well, and Newcastle slipped up as well, I suppose. Significance when it comes to the race for the top four. But uh, but yeah, the gap, you know, grows by an extra two points. It starts to look that little bit bigger between Arsenal and City. Surprising, you know, once City took the lead, you just expect them at that moment in time that it's going to be plain sailing. Uh, and for them to draw one all, admittedly, the Damari Gray goal that was scored against them was a great goal, and Everton didn't do much else. But a frustrating night for City, and this will now be an interesting week. Arsenal play Newcastle tonight, and Chelsea uh, Chelsea play City on Thursday. If I'll say now, if City slip up and Arsenal win then that starts to look like a sizable gap. But if the reverse happens, a comfortable, you know, like an imp- impressive performance from City on Thursday, following on the heels of Arsenal, say, with a draw against Newcastle, then you start to feel like things are back sort of in control from City's perspective. Yeah, I mean, that was very optimal for Arsenal to, to gain another two up on them. And, uh, you know, X co-host of the podcast sam we've been in, in uh, constant communication about this oh he's so he's rise. so cocky right now he's when arsenal went two nil up i just got a dot 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 text message from him so he is so so cocky 
which I, as I said to him, it just, I don't really care what the outcome of this title race is. I would, uh, as a neutral in an idol situation, you have something similar to last year going into the final game, both teams with something to play for. This now makes me really Mm -hmm. want to see Arsenal lose it. Just, (laughs) just Sam texting me every match because I don't hear from him in between them. You know, it's not like we're talking all the time. It's like, I know I'm going to hear from him in this evening. Well, I only hear from him if Arsenal are winning. If that's, that's the other thing that annoys me. If Newcastle are 3-0 up at halftime, there will be not a peep coming from Samuel Jones. Wow, Samuel Jones. That's his name? That's so unique. Uh, it's very sounding. exotic. Sometimes people think he's, uh, you know, he's like Spanish or something, but no. <laughs> Tread lightly here with what you say. <laughs> Yeah, I actually just got a message. I said, I, I messaged him and said, another huge day, two more points. And he said, no one else believes. I mean, that isn't true. <laughs> that is patently not true. <laughs> it's just me and Sam are the only two that believe. Yeah. No, none of the Arsenal players and no other Arsenal supporter and no one else. Yeah, it's just the two of you. No, I, I you know, like I think, I think City are still favorites. The next seven matches ultimately are going to be, and that's a long period of time, but over the course of those seven matches, I think Arsenal play Newcastle, Spurs, United, and City in four of their next seven matches, I think with City being the seventh in that run. And that's going to make or break their season because they're going to, from those seven matches, they need five wins. And they can probably afford one defeat. But if they come out from that run of seven matches with three defeats, the lead will probably have evaporated, which. But the the part that you say is on the other end, you are assuming City just continued to win. But as we keep seeing, they're not winning all of their matches. They have these slip ups. And we keep saying, oh, that's one slip up. That won't happen again. They're winning almost all of them. They're winning. No, Arsenal are winning all of them. No, City are the ones that are not winning all of them. I mean, City them. haven't exactly <laughs> slipped up a lot in the Premier League. So it's not as if this is, uh, you know, like a ton of slip ups. Like they've both been very good and very consistent. You know, I, I think I would say if, look, I think over the, you had to do the reverse, I suppose, and look at City's next seven matches. They have Chelsea, United, Spurs, Wolves, Spurs again, Villa. Not Villa easy. and Arsenal. Not easy, but you know I, I would expect City to have five wins, at least from those seven matches. So if Arsenal lose three of their next seven, that lead will be small. So you know you start to the reverse is true. If and I mean a lot will be come down to how they do against City. Because obviously, I guess you could say they could lose three of them, but then beat City, and then that's okay. That probably would they they take that probably right now almost. But you know, there's there's a scenario. These these seven these next seven matches will probably make or break the title race in some respects. And I guess before we get on to your retakes, it was you know we mentioned bowl season for college football, and we had the semifinals of the college football with two exciting games. If you hate defense i guess (laughs) yeah but i I have to say the the first one was 
a like non-defensive game. The second game, although it was 42 to 41, there were a good amount of defensive plays. Like there were a bunch of turnovers. There were some really important stops and shutdowns. I mean, yes, again, 42, 41 is, is a high score, but um, it, there was defense played in that, in that game. The, sort of. Michigan, the TCU winning over Michigan 51 to 45. I mean, it felt like every play was a 60 yard touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not as big of a fan of those. I would rather take a 28, 24 game any day of the week where it's not just, okay, you score, we score, you score, we score, you know, like I, I don't enjoy those as much. I know that there are plenty of people who do, who would call me crazy for saying something like that, but Personally, I would prefer, and this is to me one of the downsides of college football, is there are a lot of games like this. There are a lot of, both teams have 40 plus points, kind of, oh, these are two like heavyweights going toe to toe with each other. I just don't enjoy those as much. I would rather watch like a tense, it's not guaranteed we score on every possession kind of game. Yeah. It's the Michigan TCU game that. I didn't find that as, as exciting. I thought the, the Georgia-Ohio State game was was pretty back and forth and it was a pretty good game. And I actually felt Ohio State were the better team in that game. But once Marvin Harrison Jr. went out, whether that's the reason or not, it completely flipped the game. I think they they had like 18 unanswered points, Georgia, to win that after that or, some, or um, minus the field goal, I think, at the end that Ohio State had. But for the most part, that completely flipped the game at the end. Uh, and it's unfortunate, I mean – I guess it's good to see that in college, some coaches actually care about a player when he gets a concussion, even though he says he's okay and he can go back out there, uh, you know, and that he's a young kid and he's got a career ahead of him. But it, it, that's an unfortunate loss for them because they had already had two of their best receivers weren't playing in that game to begin with. So, you know, they're down to freshmen basically that were at receiver, which is going to make a difference. But uh, it was exciting. And, and my only I guess criticism was how terrible that field goal was at the end for Ohio State. I mean, it's one thing to miss it. It's another thing to have you or I line up and try and kick a 50-yarder oh, to win throw, it. Don't throw me in there, Frank. I would have knocked that thing up. Mine would have been good from 75. But no, the, I do agree with you. It looked like you'd, you'd put, pluck someone out of the crowd to attempt that game-winning field goal. Like, that was... And he's a good kicker. That's what's crazy. Yeah, you know, a, he's a he's a pretty solid kicker. It's a super ugly attempt. Like, it's... I can understand missing it. There's a lot of pressure there, but to that kind of attempt just doesn't look good. Yeah. I mean, he, he had a 48-yarder 20 minutes before that, and he crushed that thing dead center. Yeah. You know, like, so that that's a shame. And I'm sure Day will look back on that and question his two play calls he had before that where he just ran it and then had a terrible throw uh, in completion there. But uh, yeah, so Georgia TCU, is it time for the underdog story of, no. of the uh, 2020s? No, no, we, we know what's going to happen. It's going to be Georgia winning by 25 points. Like this is, this will be, no, I mean, you can. You have been a TCU hater all year, Eddie, and this is the day. <laughs> Am I? Have I been really opinionated on TCU? I, I did. yes, because multiple times you've been like, you can't tell me TCU are better than these teams, <laughs> and I don't believe that they, they don't are. deserve it. No, I didn't say. I never say deserve it. That's never my argument. It's not deserve because that would imply like they've done everything right. They've done everything. They basically 
aside from they lost their what their conference game t- championship game title game that's the only thing they've lost right yeah they've done everything pretty much right i just you and i have a fundamental disagreement on this and we don't need to go into it now but i just think <laughs> i have i have ways which i think have been discussed previously on the podcast and i think college football could be improved I still fundamentally believe that like Alabama are better than TCU. That's just what I believe. That doesn't mean that I think they should have stuck Alabama in the playoffs. That's not my, that's not my point because, but we can't pretend that we are now about to watch the two best teams in college football play each other. We're about to watch probably the best team in college football play like the 12th best team in college football. And that's cool. And the goal isn't necessarily to deliver the two best teams. It's like, you know, it's the same argument in a World Cup final or whatever. The, you know, the goal is not to have the two best teams necessarily be in the final. You earn your way there. But in a system in which this kind of mysterious ranking system gets assigned to teams, you're kind of implying that your goal is to get the two best teams in. You know, like they're not saying deserving, you know, like there is this kind of idea behind it of like we are supposed to be gauging who the best teams are on a week by week basis and to me that's where the the kind of system falls down they'll fix it by in a sense by expanding the playoffs because once the playoffs are expanded all the teams you could make a legitimate argument for will be in the playoffs and then it's up to yeah. them to win or not i mean you you aren't even mentioning your your strongest case which would be that TCU lost its Big 12 championship to Kansas State, who then played in a pretty big bowl game against Alabama. No, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I got destroyed. But, but And got destroyed. But I, I will say I don't take anything out of bowl games now that aren't playoff bowl games because the amount of players that don't play and, and things of that nature completely 100%. changes the outcome of the bowl game. But if anything, you can make the argument that I think more Alabama players sat than Kansas missing. State players. But still, I, I don't... Like even Penn State winning a Rose Bowl now to me means nothing. Like winning winning a Rose Bowl now means nothing to what it did thirty years ago when you know when they won in the nineties, when it actually was a meaningful game that players wanted to play and wanted to go to. You know, it's a consolation prize now and a lot of them don't even play in it because they don't give a shit. So tough to make it but alabama did dominate kansas state in that game yeah and i think you could say the argument in terms of the significance of the the loss from tcu's perspective to kansas state they were going into that game kind of feeling as if it was almost must win as it turned out it wasn't uh but you know they kind of went into that in a situation where they thought like we need to win in order to justify our place in the top four so to lose that has greater significance but anyway it doesn't matter we'll we'll see what happens on Next week, I think Georgia will win by 20, 25 points, but who knows? I, yeah. I mean, the case for TCU, I, they, they beat Michigan up pretty good. That score is closer than, than I think what that game felt. Like Michigan would kind of come back and then TCU would just score and it would be like yeah, 15, The argument again. would be how much of that was – I think a lot of that was – I think TCU played extremely well on offense. I think Michigan played terribly on offense. Like their two pick sixes were terrible pick sixes. Like those weren't, wow, great defensive play. It was just like our quarterback is just like his mind has just gone to mush and he's just decided to throw the ball to a TCU player. And also you then factor in if they just, if their coach just hadn't got 
uh, Jim Harbaugh hadn't got too smart for his own good over the course of that game. They gave up points fundamentally that if they hadn't given up, like going for two, not taking easy field, like you, even the first drive of the game, they pass up an easy three points to go for it. I'm like, yep. if they hadn't done any of that at the end of the game, they're tied. Like, this is what I hate yep. about the over-aggressive. I hate when people go for two too early in the game. It's like, you don't know the other team is going to keep scoring. So why kind of give up a point that maybe later on I get going for two, like in the final five, you know, three, four minutes when you really know, like we need 16 points. Like this is our only route back in. But when it's like, well, we need 24 points, I guess we'll go for two now. It's like, I, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. And a lot of people are obviously going to bring up a terrible V I was going to call it VAR, but a uh, video review of the, uh, long pass that was called a touchdown on the field and then overturned and put on the one, which then they fu- Michigan fumbled the next play. Tough to say that decided the game when they scored about another combined 75 points after that, as we always say. But it did change. It definitely changed going into halftime what your, like, you know, like what the plan was coming out of halftime. That definitely changed it. I don't think it ultimately decided the game, but. That still, to me, is one of the worst calls I've ever seen on a video replay when they still have never shown a replay that showed the angle that he did not get in. The only views you see are the ball over the line. And I get it's not straight down the line, so you don't know for sure. But at the same time, if it's called a touchdown, you need a view that clearly shows it wasn't. And there there wasn't even close to one. Like, I don't understand how that was over. That was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in, in a video replay. I don't know. I've in a replay. That's, that's the issue, right? If like on the field, if you made that call, I get it. But when you're going to replay and you're going to tell me you've seen a view that changes that opinion and they have yet to show that view ever. I kind of disagree with you on the call. I I felt like he looked short uh, in terms of, but I also, even if I think he didn't, I've seen worse calls from like a video replay. But looking on a replay. Okay. What was the game last week with the fumble return? Oh, that was the worst one. I mean, like, (laughs) that was... The Arkansas fumble. Yeah. That was that that will go down, I think, is the worst. But at the end of the day, that game was fixed or tried to be fixed by the officials. So I get why they called it there. Right. Because they made multiple calls in that game. That was clearly uh, they were going against Arkansas. I can think of an example from the past week that's worse. So I'm sure if you gave me a little bit more time, I'd be able to come up with like four or five just from this season alone. Yeah, I guess that's the difference when you watch the NFL and then you watch college the refs, it's a clear drop-off. I mean, there are a lot of bad calls in college. Even at this high of a bowl game level, there were a huge amount of just bad spots, bad calls, not knowing like the timing situations. The inconsistencies on spots sometimes, it's amazing. Like you'll see someone yeah. run out of bounds and then they'll be marked like three, four years, four yards off where they clearly went out. Like you're just like, what are you... Yeah. And the teams don't seem to object in any way. Like, I'm not expecting nope. them to kind of stop the game. And but you, you don't even get a player trying to indicate like, no, no, it was like three yards yeah. further forward. There's just a oh well. <laughs> and that's the other argument with that play because he makes the interception and then they throw the deep ball for the touchdown that's called back. 
on the interception, he intercepts it at the 45 and they spotted it at the 50 and no yeah. one objected. Yeah, yeah. And like when you think about it, you know, five yards in, he's in the end zone. Regard, I don't know if that actually happens, but like that's a terrible spot, like five yards on an interception where he just falls. He caught it and fell like that's an easy spot. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> All right. I guess the time has arrived. Come come at with him. Come at me with my supposed bad takes or the takes you think okay. I might want to reassess. So I have 47 bad takes. <laughs> That's less than one per week. That's not bad. We do two episodes a week. You're saying I only have a bad take in like 40% of episodes. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll start with, with this one to, to warm you up. We had heard for several months about how Trey Lance was the answer for the 49ers. And it now appears that Brock Purdy could be the answer for the 49ers. Who are you riding with next season? Um, it, so it, it kind of matters what happens in the playoffs, right? Does it? Yeah, for sure. If they lose in the first round of the playoffs, then this was a fun experience with Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy looks really good. Like, I'm not going to – I think he's had a dramatically – significant impact on their offense in terms of how involved Kittle is again. Like Kittle went from, you know, being one of the most dominant tight ends in the league to kind of being a non-factor to just being involved as like a run blocker, basically to now he's involved again. Uh, Ayuk, I think has made a leap sort of under, uh, under, you know, like with Purdy at quarterback, I'm sure once Debo Samuel's back, He'll also be more involved, certainly from a like a pass game perspective. So if they make the NFC Championship game, Super Bowl, or win the Super Bowl, then Purdy is my starter at the start of next season. Okay, but if they go into the playoffs and let's say lose first round, he doesn't have a perfect game and he plays okay. It's not his fault they lose the game. You then go back to a quarterback who played one week and looked okay. I mean, I guess obviously, if you were, if I were the coach or the GM, then you're going to training camp and you're reassessing things and stuff. And they obviously have more intimate knowledge of where they feel like Trey Lance is overall, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I, w- I think if you if this team loses in the first round or even second round of the playoffs, I guess it depends a bit on whether or not they get the buy, but. Uh, I would be, I think then that I would not be having Brock Purdy as my starter. I mean, also, wow. depend, the other issue here is when is Trey Lance ready? Because I, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, ready to go week one of the next season. So that's another factor to throw in. So is a good move then, if you want to ride with Lance after the season, you try and trade Purdy away for some nice draft picks? No, no way. No, because you've got a guy who... So you'll bench him, but you won't get rid of him. Yeah, for sure, because now you've got a guy who obviously (laughs) fits really, you know, fits into the system who, if there was an injury again, super cap-friendly contract, why would you trade him away? And then you're going to end up spending more money on a backup who you maybe, like, doesn't know the system as well. It's a... To me, some people will try and spin it as negative. Like, this is an ideal scenario for the 49ers. Like they're in a position yeah, with two rookie contract quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> who maybe they're happy with both. 
you know, like that's, and it gives them. Oh, le- go back to the Florida system, two, <laughs> two QBs in a game. I'm not saying that, but I mean, for example, now, like when you do get to the moment in time to renegotiate Trey Lance's contract, this really changes it. Right. Cause now you have, and you don't want to be, you know, too hard on him, but you're like, look, you, you had a bad injury over the course of your rookie contract. We're going to be taking a risk on you, maybe, and kind of getting you. We've got Brock Purdy here, who we can also give a pretty team-friendly contract to as well. You know, you're from a 49ers perspective, this is great. But the focus is on winning, right? So that's going to determine how successful it is. Let's say in the NFL, and we can even bring Brock Purdy into this conversation. Who would you rather have as your starter, Brock Purdy or Trevor Lawrence? Um, if I threw out their collegiate careers, Brock Purdy, like if I'm just taking it on the basis of what have I seen from them in the NFL so far, it's Brock Purdy. But also make sure you throw out the fact that the Niners have a amazing run game. Yeah. Uh, they used to have a guy named Debo Samuel was his name. (laughs) Oh, Debo. Yeah. Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, look, it's, it's, it's one of those impossible things. I just think, I mean, you look, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence because he has, there's a little bit more pedigree there, but. So you're going to dumpster dive and take out Trevor Lawrence, who you'd thrown in the dumpster after week six. I've never (laughs) thrown Brock Purdy in the dumpster. So not yet. No. Not after we the first week of the playoffs loss. Speaking of dumpster, are the Titans trash? Yeah, I wasn't wrong on that. <laughs> that one, I need to stick. Sometimes I need to stick to my gut more. The Titans are terrible. Even if they win this weekend, even if I will not t- change my mind on this one, I'm now sticking to this. Even if they win this weekend, even if they then go on to win the Super Bowl, in some crazy run, uh, they are terrible. I'm not, you know, they got Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry can win them games sometimes by himself. But no, the, as a team, they're and they're, they're very well coached. Uh, you don't will, take the loss of Tannehill into consideration here. No, because I don't think Tannehill's that good. <laughs> you know, like I don't think that's a big drop off. I think they're extremely well coached. Like I think Vrabel should be, like probably coach of this of the year but over brian dabble yeah i think what he's done with the titans is more impressive than what the giants have achieved i think the giants have a better team than the titans oof i would make the giants either of them have great teams (laughs) i don't think either of them do but i would make the giants favorites like against the titans in a neutral venue you know you know like yeah i would make them favorites Speaking of trash, we'll keep on that dumpster argument. Cincinnati Bengals, are they trash? No. <laughs> no, they're <laughs> no, they're good. They're not that good, though. Uh, can you cut that no out for me so I could use that in future podcasts? <laughs> no. Um, but they're not that good. But yeah, they're not trash. I, I, I would be concerned that their offense is so reliant on having one particular wide receiver be healthy. Like their drop off to... They got Boyd. They got Higgins. No, but you, come on. 
it basically comes down to they're a team where you're like, is this player starting? Otherwise, <laughs> stay away. That's not a good sign for a team. I would I would definitely say that about the Vikings, because as we saw last week, if Alexander or another cornerback can shut down Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins just literally just falls over. He can't compute. <laughs> if Jefferson isn't, isn't open, he can't compute and just falls over. Yeah. I want to say on the Bengals real quick, what is their what odds would you put them at to win the Super Bowl? Um I think the Chiefs are what four or five to one right now as favorites. So I'd make them my third favorites in the AFC. So in the AFC. Yeah. So like behind the Bills and the Chiefs. So I think fair odds. Not the odds I think that they are, but what I would consider to be like, oh, those are tempting odds on the Bengals. 20 to 1. Wow. I thought you were going to say like 13 to 1. No, I'd expect them to be probably around 12 to 14 to 1. I think that's probably where they are. But if I think they're my third favorites, because you then have to think like, okay, they got to win the AFC first. And I've got them as third favorites, and then they got to beat the team in the Super Bowl. And there's a number of teams from the NFC, like they. If it's the Niners against the Bengals, I make the Niners favorites. If it's the Eagles against the Bengals, and the Eagles have made the Super Bowl, then the Eagles are favorites for me. So I'm basically saying I think that the Bengals should be fifth favorites, and I wouldn't want to take the fifth favorites to win the Super Bowl at anything less than twenty to one. So they actually are the fifth favorite, and it's at uh, plus 750, so about 15 to 2. That's terrible. <laughs> That's terrible. That's just burning your money. Yeah. The Bills are 7 to 2. That's one of those scenarios where you'd be better off betting them game by game. Like if you just put your same stake on them, just money line through the playoffs, through the four games they're going to have to play because they're going to be underdogs. I'd say in at least two of them, you're going to make more money from that just rolling the stake over each time than you would from betting on them to win the Super Bowl. Okay, let's cross the pond, Eddie. I've said previously, I'm not giving you any more chances. I'll give no, you Erling Holland is not breaking the record. <laughs> He's like four off at this point. No, he's not. He's got 20 goals. He's still got a ways to go. I just think that... A ways? Yeah. A ways is... He's he's pretty close. He's not that close. He's two good games away from 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 being single digits. Okay. Well, that's... I mean, now you could have called... That's a really weird way to frame it. I think the thing... The only thing that I think would make me more tempted to change my mind on this is the more I think the title race is going to go down to the wire. Because my argument for why I don't think he's going to break the record was that once Champions League football came back, I thought he would play less in the Premier League. But if City stay, you know, right, you know, six, seven points behind Arsenal, or even, you know, don't manage to pull clear, then that increases, obviously, the the role that Holland will play in those Premier League matches. So that's... That's the thing that's making me reconsider it more than his goal scoring form is, because my argument well, he's for... got he's got twenty one, no twenty, not twenty, twenty one. You sure? Was this tw- yeah. 
he scored another one in the last match. Yeah, I thought that was his 20th, though. That was 21. Yeah, and he's only played in 15 of the matches. Yeah, but so he's, he's already sitting out matches. Yeah, but he, okay, but, but you know, but whatever you, you know, all those past performance is not an indicator of future, you know, past results are not an indication of future performance. Like we, we can throw the, <laughs> are you having a stroke? <laughs> throw those disclaimers in. But I think that, look, I stand by. I always thought he would break the record at some point. You're treating as if I thought, I never thought Erling Holland would be a flop. There were plenty of people. Coming. No, I'm not saying that. No, I know, but I'm not saying that. You obviously have new listeners and who won't have heard. I thought when Erling Holland came to the Premier League, he was going to be a goal machine that he was going to put City over the edge in terms of being unstoppable in the Premier League and in Europe. Like I, because there are plenty of people who are like, "Oh, Erling Holland won't be able to score goals in the Premier League." They were idiots. They've already been proven wrong. My argument is, I thought he would miss matches this season and so wouldn't break the record, but at some point over his career, would. Look, I, he is odds on to break the record at this point. Like, I'm not denying what the current situation is. God, that's the easiest money you could make. But all it takes is, you know, a little injury or something to happen. You know, who knows? Look at Gabriel Jesus, you know. He's out for seven, eight, nine matches. You know, that's if that happened to Holland, that would be record gone. Yeah, but Gabriel Jesus is, what, five foot seven? <laughs> Well, that doesn't have to do with anything with Holland's game. a machine. He's a fucking Terminator. <laughs> All right, give me give me another take. Okay, give me your realistic odds that Arsenal win the Premier League. Um, odds is in like betting odds or percentage chance. Not what would entice you. Yeah, yeah. What I but think, like, what do you think? Yes. Percentage chance or betting odds. Either one you can give me. Percentage chance. Give me percentage. Uh, 30% right now. Okay. It's, it's rising. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'll say by the end of this week, it could be 40%. By the end of this week, it could be 20%. Okay. So, yeah, I think 30%. Like, I think, for example, that Gabriel Jesus injury is significant for them. Like they, because this is the issue Arsenal have. They don't have the squad to handle, you know, they are two or three injuries away from looking pretty mediocre. You know, if Odegaard went down, if Saka went down, like they have players there. City, for the most part, it could be like, well, next man in. We've got, you know, Holland, okay, that would be a difficult one to replace, but then, you know, Julian Alvarez has just come back from a really impressive World Cup with Argentina. He's a bit part player for City, you know, and he was an integral part of that Argentina team. If they had to suddenly fall back on Alvarez, they have to change the way they play because he's not the same style of player. But I think that they would be nearly as good. Arsenal, it's a more complicated equation. Could you withstand 10 rounds in the ring with Floyd Mayweather? Uh, yes. I mean, yeah. Does that mean you don't get knocked down or you don't get knocked out? I don't get knocked out. I'll get knocked down. Knocked I don't get knocked down. Okay. I get, knocked, get down. knocked down. I don't get knocked out. And okay. even, I mean, can I withstand? I think I'd knock him out within 10, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I mean, oh, at, what, so good. at what point... 
At what point do we really like? What age does Floyd Mayweather become the underdog in that? In this, seventy-three. Uh, he's only forty-five. I thought he was a little older. In fairness, um, yeah, no, I'm not beating him, but no, he's not knocking me out. When's the last time he knocked anybody out? For starters, he's he's going to struggle to just hit me in the head. I don't know how much I have to protect my head. You would just get shots to the body. Yeah, but I would just all day. I'd just be protecting my body mostly. But <laughs> but he's going to struggle to hit me in the head. I've got a pretty significant height advantage on him. I'm going to imagine. I don't know what his wingspan is. I'm going to imagine I've got a pretty significant reach advantage on him as well. That's going to cause him issues. Like there has to be a moment from him. I'm not saying I'm a great boxer, but there has to be a moment where you. These are factors to weigh in. Wait, you're saying you're saying you're not that great of a boxer. No. Let's clarify: you've never <laughs> boxed a day in your life. Well, I, no, no, that's no. like me saying like I'm not that great at tennis. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up a racket. I mean, I've done boxing training. I can throw a punch. I've sparred. I've never been in a fight. Well. You, I've been in. You have a little. I've been it in, hasn't worked out well. I've been in bar fights or street brawls. So yeah, I've taken punches. Like I'm not going street brawls. I'm not, Let's get out of here, brawls. <laughs> I'm not going into this as someone who's like never been punched because I think that is sometimes the equation for some people. Is like, how are you going to react to getting hit? That's a, a question people have to know for themselves. I at least know he's going to be able to hit me, and I'm not going to go. Oh my god, I do not. I I like I can't take this. I don't equate Floyd Mayweather to a 14-year-old French kid. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if that feels the same. Uh, same height. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Next one. Could you beat Tiger Woods' son, Charlie, in a golf match? Oh, no way. No, no way? No way. You beat him? No, no, no way. He's 13. Yeah, he would beat me easily. Wow. Yeah, no chance. No chance. No. You guys play from the same tee. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, no chance. Well, not obviously, because I think if he were to play on any I, tournament, he would play from a different tee. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt with the level he's playing at. I mean, there is a slight argument. He's not actually that highly ranked for player a player of his age. Like, you obviously see the videos of him playing with Tiger Woods. He looks very good. When you actually see, like, what he's achieved at his age level... Is not that impressive, but still, I mean, for starters in golf, I mean, he's playing golf every day. I have no chance against like any, let, let me throw this out. Let, let, let me, let me twist it a little bit. Who do you have a better chance of beating Charlie Woods or Tiger Woods? A Tiger Woods. Cause he's more likely to have like a breakdown. You know what I mean? Like his back just goes. Like a physical breakdown? No, not mental. (laughs) Or like a mental. He just goes crazy and like hits you in the face with a club. (laughs) All of a sudden, I'm who do I beat in 10 rounds? Him or or Floyd Mayweather? Uh, No, Tiger Woods because, yeah, my only chance against Tiger Woods is his back goes. And, you know, then all of a sudden he's putting his way around. That's like the only hope I have. But, I, I mean, the realistic assessment from a golf perspective is I have no chance because he's playing golf every single day. And I think anyone like 15 handicap or under, I have no chance against if they're playing golf super consistently. Because just now, if you told me 
I get to train for six months to play Charlie Woods. This hypothetical <laughs> six months training they always throw out. But if <laughs> it's I so ridiculous. But if I get to play golf, you know, twice a day, like really go into that. Well, this is the life he's living, and you're asking me, like, can I compete against him? Could I if I did that for six months? He'd be he would still start favorite, but I would give myself a chance. Right now I give myself no chance. Maybe match play, you could make the argument. I win a couple holes, but yeah, I got stroke play. Absolutely no chance for sure. Cause I would have just a few nightmare holes and that would be game over. Like he's not going to quadruple bogey a hole and uh, even match play. I'm, I'm maybe going to sneak a couple, but I'm not going to get many. All right. Last one. We know that you can kick a rugby ball out of the stadium. We won't even re- we won't even revisit that one. But let's put you on the field. You've decided to go back to university in America for Ohio State. You are kicking the 50-yard field goal to send Ohio State to the national championship. What percentage do you give yourself, not in, in a training ground, in that environment at, in Atlanta, no time left on the clock or one second left on the clock, to make that 50-yard field goal to send Ohio State to the national championship. So in this context, I've been like there. I'm not just being dropped in there now. I've been their kicker for the season. Uh, or is this like the first kick I'm attempting? You've been dropped. You've, you played this game. <laughs> so, so what's my preparation? How, is it the magical six months? What have, I, what have I given myself here? Let's start raw. This is just my first kick. Not your first kick, but like you, you were there in the stadium for warm-ups. You did your warm-ups. <laughs> you're, you're on the side kicking into the net. Um, 5%. 5%. Yeah. Like okay. I, I know I could kick the distance, but I would say there's a good chance I shank it. Now, let's say you were transplanted into the university at the beginning of the season. You practice with the team. You make your way to the starter. Yeah. In like week five, you've made your way to the starter. Yeah. Now what are your chances? So you've had, yeah, about a, a, your magic six months about. 80%. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. I mean, look. 80%. Here's the thing is, I'm. I know I can kick a... a ball 50 yards like that's the distance is not going to be the issue so then it's just a case of can i train myself in terms of feeling pretty comfortable on the the accuracy obviously i've not also kicked a ball in front of whatever that was seventy thousand people gonna have to factor that in but if, if i've been playing for ohio state all season i've kicked some field goals in front of big crowds so you know i yeah if i've been doing it for six months 50 yarder I'd feel I'd feel I would feel confident I'll put it that way now I guess here's the real question you're obviously going to get compared to Sebastian Janikowski his nickname was the Polish cannon does that mean you're the English cannon or are they going to slight you and call you the French cannon (laughs) no I'm definitely not French (sighs) it'd be tough what would my nickname be you're the English cannon no because you're Sebastian you're Janikowski 2.0. But someone else already has the cannon, so you got to be something different, you know? 
Like, uh, yeah, it's got to be. I, I'd have to think about it. For Ed, Eddie the Leggy. That's not good either. <laughs> terrible no i yeah it would have to be something else i'd want it to be unique so yeah it's but no i'd I'd feel yeah i'd feel reasonably reasonably confident wow i'd rather punt i'll say that like i'd much rather i would have been a better a much better punter than a field goal kicker for sure like i feel like i could punt in the nfl tomorrow but (laughs) 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 but field goal kicker like if, if given the choice like a punting all day long I, 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 like, I, I just, someone's going to have to explain to me one day what's so hard about punting, but the, <laughs> the field goal kicking, I, I, that is different. The pressure on you is way different. The skill level is different. There's a number of, you know, you got the timing in terms of the, the snap and the hold and stuff. That's, that's all a little bit more complicated punting. I mean, just go out there, but you're in a world where so many punts are just touchbacks. Uh, you just punt for a touchback every time, and you're an okay punter, right? Like, <laughs> all right. Are there any more you would personally like to clean up? <laughs> um, uh, who do I need to apologize to? No, I think that covered it because it was like the Bengals was a big one. Maybe Newcastle, a little bit. I've probably been a little too down on Newcastle, even if they slipped up over the weekend. I think, which I kind of mentioned on the on the last podcast, like I'm I am reassessing slightly where they stand because of the the ownership. I don't necessarily want to become, you know, too apologetic, but yeah, I think maybe need to reassess my position on Newcastle a little bit. I guess I I, I can I don't need to re- reassess my position on Liverpool. They reaffirmed that last night, so that's uh, I feel more comfortable in that. I guess that then let me end on, I think what we might get a new take from you, your feelings on Ronaldo. Yeah. It's such a, it's a really bad look. I mean, obviously he's making $75 million a year, supposedly that's an insane amount of money. And I mean, that's just from his salary. So you factor in everything else he's got going on. He's making an absolute ton. Would I turn down $75 million a year? Not easily, but obviously He's also extremely wealthy already, so it's a little bit different. For and for those, I guess, who aren't following, <laughs> he has accepted and now is going to be playing in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he signed as a free agent uh, for the Saudi club Al Nasser um, on a two and a half year contract. Uh, he turns thirty eight in February, so it will basically take him through to being forty years old. Um, at one moment in time, there was a rumor that this might have included some clause that would have allowed him to go to Newcastle if they qualified for the Champions League this season. This has now been dismissed. It also, originally in the reports that indicated there could be that kind of clause, it implied that the ownership groups at the Saudi club at Al Nasser and at uh, Newcastle are the same. They are not. So already that's, you know, like that kind of made the original report look a little bit uh, less plausible. I think it's a really bad look for him also because he has adamantly over the past few years said that he wants to finish his career at the highest level uh, that he specifically named not wanting to go to like Saudi Arabia or Qatar or the U S like he he mentioned all of those leagues as things he did not want to happen to himself. Even in the interview he did with Piers Morgan, 
just before the World Cup. He even said he wanted to finish his career at the highest level. So, look, part of it will probably be based on what was on offer for him. You know, like who could he have gone to? I think he should have either retired or I would have had more respect for him if he just ended up at some random championship club or something, you know, and just turned up and been like, I'm going to almost reprove, like a huge chip on my shoulder. None of you wanted me. Now I'm going to reprove myself almost at 37, 38 years old. I'm going to go to the championship. Like you mean like go to like Burnley? Yeah. Yeah. Hypothetically. Yeah. (laughs) Just go. And then in the second half of this season, score 15 goals. And maybe you get promoted to the Premier And to me, I would have had more respect out of that than now just him going, I mean, I'm never, I'm probably never going to see Ronaldo play again now because I'm not going to watch a Saudi Arabian game. You know, like the, this is what a pointless end. It's just all for getting a ton of money. And he already had a ton of money. So it's a shame. And again, in the comparison of like, you now just have Messi agreeing to, uh, you know, re-sign with PSG at the same time. And in this debate that seemed to be quite heated and they're like, which camp are you in? Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo, Messi. This kind of settles it, obviously, with the World Cup and then also Ronaldo going to Saudi Arabia. And the other thing that people have then done, we've given Ronaldo so much credit for maintaining his form and his fitness until 37. And then now you look at it and you're like, well, now you're done at 37, basically. That's actually not that impressive. Like, no, but you know what I mean? Like in the modern era of professional athletes, it's like I can come up with a long list of, you know, even sticking to football itself, a long list of footballers who were competing at the highest level to 37, 38, 39. You know, there's every year you're seeing them. So that's the thing that now it's like, ah, how you kind of lose the other argument was like, well, you have to admire. I mean, look, Pepe was playing in the, he's 39 he was playing for Portugal in the in the World Cup, you know? Like, it's not... He's now even lost the argument of being kind of unique, like a physical specimen almost, because who cares? Like... I, I, yeah, and I mean, I think for me, this tarnishes his legacy a little bit in the sense that exactly what you're saying. If you are going to say that you want to be competing at the highest level, you want to be, you know, in the mix with the biggest clubs, in the biggest leagues, things like that, and then take a money and go to Saudi Arabia. Like I, I get, okay, you're not happy with your situation at United. You're not playing enough. It's gone to shit. But there are a lot of other clubs, even in the Premier League, that might consider taking you and give you a much better role. You, you know, Again, maybe you're not a day-in, day-out starter on the starting 11, but there are clubs at the bottom, I think, who would be happy for a much reduced price to, to pay and have Ronaldo come in. If anything... Just for the attendance of having Ronaldo on your on your club is going to help you. But at the end of the day, I still think he's good enough that he can still be a, a good scorer for some of the lower teams. I, the championship's a little tough because he's not English. I mean, I think if he were English and you obviously probably grew up somewhere where maybe you had your local club that you want to see flourish and, and go to them. You know, I don't think he has any connection to maybe, you know, the championship team. So that's a little tough, but then there are other teams in other leagues, you know, like the Spanish league, even the French league you can go to. I, there, there are definitely clubs at the highest levels of the, of the different domestic leagues that would be willing to take Ronaldo. But if you're going to put your price tag that high and I get, there's the argument of, he know he thinks he knows what he's worth, but still like either, Admit to one or the other. Either you're playing because you want to make a shit ton of money still, 
or you want to play to prove that you're still one of the best out there and you can contribute to a team to win something. And he he, he ultimately put all his cards on the table and showed what he des- is making the decision on. Yeah, he chose money. And yeah, it's a shame. Because yeah, you're I mean, look, he, he probably could have gone to Sporting Lisbon or whatever if he'd wanted to, if he was willing to, you know, not earn a ton of money. But ultimately, two things have become clear from Ronaldo over the past two, three months. He has to be the center of attention on the team that he's on. So that would have also impacted his options because he would have had a lot of clubs who would have said, yeah, we'd love to have Ronaldo as like a squad player or as someone who we can use off the bench, as someone who can maybe help us bring through younger players and show them how to be, you know, the best possible professional. But that's not really viable. So at least now he gets to go to Saudi Arabia and he can start whenever he wants and, you know, take every free kick, take every penalty, do whatever it is he he needs to do. And then the other thing that's clear is he wants to earn as much money as possible. So he's done that. He's the highest paid player in the world. $75 million is an incredibly large amount of money to be earning. Um, and, but yeah, it, it, it tarnishes his legacy. Well, I, yeah. Do you have anything else? I mean, that was a pretty jam packed sports week or two uh, that we got to cover. Yeah, I know a good, uh, yeah. Sporty week. <laughs> Good poshy week. Yeah. No, no, nothing else really to add. I mean, we could break the news live that listeners will definitely know by now is that the uh, the Bills-Bengals game will not be rescheduled for this week. So uh, they are unsure what they're going to do, but it won't be played this week. I guess they could. Do you think if you're the NFL, what happens? Yeah, you're like now crossing. You're like hoping. Let's hope that the Bills lose to the Patriots, and let's. I don't even know what in terms of the Bengals. Chiefs win. Yeah, and then we can just forget this game. Call it a. I don't know. What do you do? Do you yeah. call it a a tie? Yeah, because I mean, I guess the question is even what's a fair amount of days. If they played, today is what, Tuesday? If you played them on Wednesday and then had them play again on Monday, is that a fair amount of rest? No, and this goes back to that issue that's like when the Steelers got really screwed in that COVID yeah. year where like their season got all... Like, they played like back-to-back days. Yeah. <laughs> like he, yeah, I guess that's the other assessment. If you're the Bengals or the Bills, you'd be like, we'd rather not play three games in the space of 10 days versus like a worse seating position. Like if you're the bills, you'd be like, we'd rather not have the buy, but not have to play, you know, twice in a couple of days. And if you're the Bengals, it's like, yeah, we, we'll, we'll take a lower seed over, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, but it's going to be an issue, right? Like if the bills then get knocked out, like say they don't replay this game, and then the Bills get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. You're going to hear tons of talk about this. Like, the Bills shouldn't have even been playing this game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, it's tough. We'll have to see what happens. All right, well, with that, I think we uh, call it an episode, and, and uh, maybe we'll have some more information in the next podcast. Yep. All right. All right. Talk, talk to you later. later. See you. Yeah. <laughs>